Oh, uh, one one quick thing. Yes, sir. Is it? Do you have to type it? It, it, do, it doesn't seem no. quick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> did, did everyone? Did everyone uh, nab up one of the X Men Second Coming free things? And I, I did not see it. I did. I grabbed two just Damn in case Aaron. someone did. No, I didn't. I didn't see uh, it. It's it's much like the Moon Knight thing, which you also didn't pick up, Aaron. Well, you know, I, for some reason, my store is not getting those. Hmm. So Maybe they're stop. not a real store. Maybe you should stop buying comics off out of the back of somebody's trunk. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron doesn't have a pull list. He has a whatever fell out of the truck this week. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> fell off the back of a truck. Yeah. Welcome exactly. to El Camino Comics. <laughs> <laughs> Books with Aaron and Polly and their amazing friends. I'm Aaron. I'm Polly. This is Wayne. This is Jonathan. And this is Tim. Got a full roster of guys this week. Yeah, it is a regular sausage factory this week on Funny Books with Aaron and Polly. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way I like it. Yeah, <laughs> I've heard that. Uh, Meat uh, cat. You know, <laughs> I went to a birthday party once. Um, oh and, God! You know, it's one of those. Weird, like, you know, everyone has kids except for a couple of couples. And, you know, so the, the couples without kids get together and the couples with kids all get together. Um, and we taught one of the kids to go to his mom and say, Mom, this place is a freaking sausage fest. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Needless to say, we didn't get invited much after that. Let's talk about uh, all that sleep sex that Jonathan is having. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was uh, I was thinking about it, you know, because listening to our conversation pre this podcast, I, I kept cussing and I'm like, whoa, 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 wait, have I been defiled by kicked in the dice bags? I need to watch my mouth on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. I still don't know how the whole sleep sex works. Personally, if, you know, if I'm having sex, I know it. I, I just can't imagine that waking up to it. I, uh, I, I, I have can to imagine s- it. I just haven't done it. <laughs> I have to say that I'm in the Jonathan camp. I, I have had that happen before. Really? It sounds, yeah. It yeah. sounds like a hell of a way to wake up, though. No, it's a great way to wake up. <laughs> it's the best, best part of waking up. Part of waking up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and to and to gather the uh, full extent of of this conversation, go on over to Kicked in the Dice Bags and uh, get the last week's episode, and just know that you cannot unhear it. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're related to me or how or somehow work with me, don't listen to that podcast. <laughs> I'm sending the link to Paul's boss right now. Yeah, right yeah. now. Right now. <laughs> Put it up on the company intraweb. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> well, hey, uh, Blackest Night number seven came out this week. It did. And, uh, you know, I, I was uh, traveling on, on New Comic Book Day, so I didn't have my uh, new books out as people were Twittering about it. And they're Twittering about this awesome, awesome book 
And uh, I apparently didn't pick that one up. I was about to say, were they talking about Blackest Night number seven? <laughs> yeah, and I, I picked up Blackest Night number seven, and, and and I kept waiting for the awesome to happen, and uh, never quite did. Well, you know, I will say, finally, Necron and Black Hand did something. Yeah, exactly. This issue. Yeah. Um, but it was really like thirty pages of fight scene, which we've already had six issues of, mm-hmm. for two pages of surprise ending. You know. Well, and really, was that a surprise ending? I mean, you know, I think a surprise ending is when you when you had a clue of something, you know, and and then, you know, you, you didn't suspect it. And then that happens. Well, this isn't really a clue. You you really were n- never knew that there was this white lantern buried, you know, under the crust of the earth or this, you know, white power uh, uh, that you could access that then Sinestro becomes the big white lantern. You know, I. It just seemed like it was, you know, kind of, you know, got out of the machine. It was, yeah, I, and not that good of an idea either. Yeah, and I, so I, I never felt particularly surprised by it because you know they're going to figure out a way to get over on it. They should, in, in order for it to have been a, a really nice surprise or a nice twist, is that they've given you the clues all along, something that you already knew about, so that so that you know that resolves the story. But this was just kind of, you know, open a box and hey, look, we just happen to have the magic thing. Yeah, and I hate the I just hate that very concept of, you know, all life from the universe was created by this creature that lives below the ground on Earth. Right. Like why why Earth? Yeah. Yeah, I I, I didn't I did not find the awesome in this issue. I didn't dislike the issue. It just it wasn't quite as great as the hype would have you believe. Yeah. It's taking me further down the path of being concerned about the end of this crossover. And I'm right there with you, Wayne. We have one issue left in Green Lantern, Green Lantern Corps, and Blackest Night to wrap up basically what's left. Yeah. So, I yeah. I have to say, that, uh, you know, Ivan Rice, who we have bragged on throughout this series, did not care for some of the, the panels in this book. You know, uh I thought some of the stuff just looked very posed. Like, for instance, you know, there's the page where uh, Kyle Rayner and Kilowog are. Uh, um, let me flip over to it real quick. You know, it's um, Kilowog. Kilowog. <laughs> you know, uh, they're 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 talking to you know uh, uh, Guy Gardner and whatnot, and he says, you know, you don't want to get into a shouting match with Kilowog, and. Kyle's just sitting there just casually leaning against Kilowog's shoulder, you know, like there's not this huge fight going on around all of them. And there's not what, what was the, the the number that they threw out? Billions of black lanterns to each, you know, uh, you know, green lantern. Hold the fight. <laughs> time to pose. Time to pose. Yeah, and, it just, and I understand that looks amusing, but it really does draw you out of, of all of this action. You know, I just I don't care for it. Well, I didn't like Okay. I also didn't like Lex Luthor finally losing it to the ring. I thought it was a cool concept that he actually was strong enough of will that even though he had an orange ring, right. he was able to hold everything together and was still in control. I kind of I dislike that he finally gave into the ring. Yeah. Well, and the uh, there is a page where you've got the Black Lantern battery, I guess, and there's something inside the Black Lantern battery. Yep. And I, it took me for it took me a little while to figure out what in the world I was looking at. Well, you you know Wayne, uh, he's he's Lex Luthor. He's not Tom Bombadil. 
He will give in to the ring eventually. <laughs> nice. But yeah, I, I also particularly hated that he took the ring off of Scarecrow because Scarecrow has been really good with that ring. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's weird because I think they've already shown solicits for post-Blackest um, Night. And I'm pretty sure Sinestro is back to being a yellow ringer bearer person. So, I mean, I guess this White Lantern Sinestro thing doesn't last very long. Well, I think it's going to last an issue, just like the Parallax thing did in the, you know, Green Lantern bug. True. I mean, I, I honestly, I, I, I think it's going to last as long as issue eight lasts, and then it's done. Anyway, yeah, I, I, I just, agree. I didn't care for number seven. It didn't do anything for me. It just wasn't enough for a penultimate issue of a storyline we've been reading for seven freaking months now that's been building up for three years or whatever. Yeah. You know, all hope is not lost, though, for Blackest Night, because there was a good Blackest Night book this week. And was that Blackest Night JSA number three? That it was. It was. That was a good book. That was I good really book. I enjoyed their take on the uh, on the Black Lanterns in this book through all three issues. I like how they basically were playing the just the JSA the whole time. No, it was it was really good. I, I enjoyed seeing the uh, the other Superman again. You know, I enjoyed how that wrapped up. I even, you know, some of the Blackest Night tie-ins have done that, you know, refresher, you know, kind of talking about who the character is that's being, you know, reanimated. And I really dug the way they did that. I mean, they spent three pages telling the story of, of you know, Power Girl and the, you know, other Superman, the older Superman. Uh, I, I really thought that was a, a good story and, you know, did a lot to establish uh, the emotional uh, value between those two, the emotional you know tension between those two. I even really liked the conversation between Jesse Quick and her father, and I still like her much better as Liberty Bell and hate that costume, but <laughs> that actually turned out kind of good. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe that will give her a good reason not to wear that costume anymore because, you know, she was wearing it when she was fighting her zombie dad, and then That's you right. never have to see that costume again. So there you go. Oh, <laughs> but yeah, I told in hope. <laughs> it's it's the Wayne effect. Um, <laughs> I I do real I did really enjoy Blackest Night JSA. I I I thought that was that was uh, a very well done tie in, and actually you know has some strong linkages to the main story. It was easily the best miniseries they've done connected to Blackest Night. Totally agree. Totally agree. So we didn't have any other Blackest Night books. But we do have uh, a ridiculous amount of siege books this week. Yeah, five siege books. And uh, even though it's a different comic company, I did put on my Raid Reg, Red Rage Lantern <laughs> Ring to talk about these books. Now, Not Paul, all, just the first one. What would make you angry about these siege books? Well, Aaron, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> <laughs> because siege number one, who wrote siege number one? Um, that would be Brian Michael Bendis. Great. And who wrote New Avengers number 62? Uh, that would be Brian Michael Bendis. Great. That's what I thought. Um, so why is it that these two books written by the same writer happen to contradict each other so greatly? What, what do you mean? Contradiction? <laughs> well, you know, at the end of Siege 1... Freaking Steve Rogers is watching TV in his Captain America jammies. Yeah, and, and we talked about how that awkward Norman that was. Yeah, he's just sitting there on the couch watching TV, you know, <laughs> living the good old days because Bucky's cat now. Um, 
you know, and he's all alone. Well, the same scene is presented in New Avengers number 62, except instead of being alone, he's with the entire Avengers, Secret Warriors, and God and the rest. Yeah. And in addition to that, he's not wearing his Captain America jammies. Well, and and he's he's not on the couch. Yeah, he's not in the same place. You know, you're you're given to believe. Totally a different scene. Yeah. I'm glad I wasn't the only one who had a problem with this. I mean, he, he is literally in two places at one time. I can understand minor continuity issues, but something as big as this was the final panel on the first issue of Siege. This was the big shot. Yeah. And this book was written by the same guy. Yeah. Well, and I mean, not only that, I mean, that scene of of him in his Captain America underoos is, you know, at the last page of Siege number one. It's also the first page of Siege number two. You know, it's on the summary yeah. page of Siege Number Two. It's a big damn scene. You, you know, know, guys, let, let's give Bendis the the benefit of the doubt. I'm sure through listening to Funny Books with Aaron and Polly, we hurt his feelings a little bit, and he's like, "I didn't think it was weird that he hangs around in his Captain America <laughs> costume." So maybe he redid the scene because he just couldn't take the humiliation that we gave him. That's certainly a possibility. <laughs> it is. I mean, don't get me wrong. This scene. Actually, I thought was better. Oh yeah, than the agreed. original scene. It, it didn't take me out, it, but what took me out of the moment was the continuity issues, and that's not the only continuity issue that I, that this book pissed me off with. Yeah. So you know, we're we're a hulked out funny books today. Er. Wait, <laughs> you know, I think what they're trying but, to tell us is that there is a third Captain America. You know what? Maybe there is. Maybe it's the clone <laughs> of Steve Rogers. From That's America just what Reborn. we need. <laughs> maybe yeah, maybe uh, the secret uh, the secret Avengers are going to be made up of all Captain America. That's right. It's going to be a Captain America core. Well, there's also that other Captain America running around over in Captain America now. The guy from the 50s. There you go. Yeah. Well, and then we can have uh, you know the the black Captain America guy from Young Aven- from Young Avengers with a, a Patriot. Patriot. We could have a whole Captain America Corps. There you go. They could call it well, Captain you know, America. <laughs> All the secret uh, Avengers sorry. are Captain America. That's right. <laughs> so what was the other continuity issue that bugged you, Paul? Okay. Steve Rogers came back to life fighting a freaking giant red skull robe in front of the Washington Monument on national television. And every, and when he shows up at Avengers headquarters, everyone's like, oh, hey, Steve is back. Even yeah, worse no than that, way. who will wield the shield is supposed to happen before this. Yeah. And Cage is talking to Bucky in, you know, in who will wield the shield about just that topic, who will wield the shield. He knew in that it, the cap was back, yet he didn't seem to know here. Yeah, it, it, this issue is just, it totally goes to show, you know, plus we had the whole Spider-Man, Spider-Woman debacle, which don't even get me started on that, because, you know, this is obviously the other half of that issue that was solicited but never released. You know, it's like, it, it just was thrown together without any, you know, and with very minimal effort of trying to make it fit into the continuity. And, you know, we've talked to Fraction. We talked to some Marvel guys who said, don't get, you know, caught up in the continuity. You know, Wolverine can be in two places at the same time. I get that. Okay. I mean, I don't like it, but I get it. We're going to have to get used to it. But when you show me the same scene 
and it's presented two entirely different ways, yeah. then I have issues. Yeah. Yeah. I can tell you the and, truth that it, New Avengers is going to be over soon. I don't even know if they're trying. Of of all the Siege books that, that I read, I mean, it was by far the worst. I'm not a normal reader of it anymore. I picked this one up just because of the Siege on the cover, and mm-hmm. I did not like it at all. I didn't like the art. I didn't like the story. And the uh, continuity issues really bothered me. Well, and that's not the only continuity issue I had, but I'll save that for when we get to the get to the book. But, you know, the, the problem with Siege is that they've told us that Siege occurs over a very short amount of time. And so, you know, they're doing this thing and showing you from different angles how, how it is all happening, but they're not coordinating it enough. It's almost like they, they didn't have a meeting to say, OK, what's this person going to be wearing at this time? And Paul's exactly right. Bendis wrote both of those. You know, he wrote both, you know, New Avengers 62 and uh, Siege Issue 1. Of all of them, those should have been coordinated. And, you know, let's be honest. Uh, Olivier Copiel Uh probably drew Siege Number 1 at least four or five months ago. The guy needs a lot of lead time, you know, to avoid being late. So he probably drew that at least a couple of months ago. They couldn't, you know, when, when these pages came in, you know, someone didn't say, well, you know. We drew him in his Captain America costume in the other book. You may just want to, you know, color this blue or something. You right. know, oh my God. <laughs> well, and 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 to tag on to avoid being late, uh, Siege has come out the first week of the month. There's no Siege next week. There's no Siege the week after that. They were they were trying to do Siege on the the first week of every month. So you know, already we've got we're going to have about a six week gap uh, before your next Siege book, the next Siege main. What do these book. editors do? It's not like they they spell check obviously. <laughs> is, is it like this giant? Is it like this gigantic Marvel ping pong team? That's all they do all day. Uh, they, they, play they, don't, they can't make it. They don't check for continuity. There's they no don't worry spell about continuity. They don't even make sure that the, all the pages are there in their backstories. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I might be I might be a Marvel editor, and I might not even know it. Yeah. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm done. Tim, why aren't you doing your job? Yeah, Tim. I am doing my job. What the hell, man? Came out, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> so, Avengers: The Initiative, which you know picks up right where uh, you know the last one left off, and you know fighting on the siege, and everybody's sieging, and you know uh, Thor is down. We got you know Taskmaster and the rest of them all standing over Thor. Uh, what'd you guys think of that? Well, I know Jonathan hasn't been a big fan of this title, but for me, this is still the best Siege tie-in book they're printing. I absolutely loved it and continue to love this title. Yeah, I really uh, like this. One good thing I, about the title, and I believe we had to get through like five pages before we were able to get to him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, in in terms of uh, you know irritating things, and this is minor, I know. But at the end of Siege Number Two, uh, Norman Osborn looks up and he sees Captain America's shield coming down at him. In this book, the shield is coming from below him. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, okay, I caught that actually. I was like, so how's that? How's that happening? <laughs> I did, I did like what they did with Diamondback and her diamonds basically being part of the explosion. Yeah, I did like the that. The first time I was reading it, I was thinking, there's no way that rocket launcher is going to damage, you know, the armor he's wearing. Mm-hmm. I like that extra little punch to it. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I actually really did enjoy this issue. It, it's kind of funny, but I'm enjoying the, the whole, you know, Siege on Asgard storyline much more than I am the assault on the initiative. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's only because I'm not familiar with that storyline. Um, you know, whereas I'm, I'm familiar with the Siege storyline, but I'm, I am really enjoying it. You know, I love how Norman Osborn, after Taskmaster is standing on Thor's body, Norman Osborn's like, what are you doing here? Bugger off. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta kick you know, out of that too. After all that effort last issue, I completely yeah. agree with you, Paul. It's like I'm reading half of a good comic and half of a why are we bothering? Well, I will say, does the initiative blow? <laughs> I'm actually rather interested in seeing what Penance does. You know, because they have uh, you know Penance confined to quarters, and I'm he self mutilates. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So I'm, I mean, I, the only thing about the main, the other storyline that I don't enjoy is all that stuff with Night Thrasher. But other than that, yeah, I no. like. I've always liked Justice. I like the character. I like the uh, particularly the Diamondback and Constrictor love angle. I'm enjoying that, and I'm even liking Tiger in this book. I, yeah, I like the whole title. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> well, I've enjoyed. This is my uh, second, third issue of. Uh, of uh, initiative, and I, I've enjoyed the the tie in to Siege. So, and I, I'm really I, I hoping that, I get. To... I think that the book would be much better if it was just called Avengers: The Taskmaster. I'd read that book. <laughs> so I definitely read that book. Yeah. Now, yeah, Taskmaster uh, is really the standout character right now. I'm really hoping to see Tigra, uh, you know, disembowel the hood. I, I'm really hoping we get to see that. Not gonna happen, sir. Hood's too <laughs> badass. Tigers. Who's Tiger? Tigra. <laughs> oh, is that that chick that the 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 weird furry that yeah. looks like a tiger? Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I wasn't even thinking about her. Let's see, who will must die? Nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, Tim. Yeah. Wake up, buddy. It's store time. Oh, you know, <laughs> I, I am, I've got so many conflicted thoughts about this book. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I like, and we're talking about Thor 607. That is correct. And I, I'm conflicted. I like the Thor and I like the fact that they focus on the, um, sometimes they focus on the, on the, the, the smaller characters, not necessarily the big God of Thunder. But I'm really starting to feel like J. Michael Straczynski had it right when he said, you know what? I'm out with the siege stuff. Mm-hmm. Because I think what they told him is, you know what we're going to do? All that, all that great stuff that you did for, you know, 25 issues building up this, 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 you know, Oklahoma angle and, and these, all these people and, you know, the fearsome, or, or, you know, Fandral flipping omelets and all this stuff about building this neat little, like, Asgardian city in Oklahoma. We're, we're going to bend it over. And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> you know, this makes me want to go back and grab some of the trades, though, because I love that scene where uh, I can't even remember her name. Kelvin. But the uh, yeah, where she's going down to talk to Bill's parents. Yeah, because I liked that character in the beginning of the Trinity's run. And I like that relationship between them. And I I missed the entire part where he apparently died. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I love yeah, that, that was a giant scene. size. Yeah, that was, yes, that was yeah. His swan song, as it were. I'm not saying <laughs> that this is a. I'm not saying this is a bad book because there are some cool parts. 
the Volstag in in the local jail part was pretty pretty awesome. I, I like yeah. That. I agree now, there. I loved all of that. That's my problem with this book, though. Uh-oh. Because, and this is the... the exactly. Uh, yeah, because you, how in the hell did Volstag get from issue two of Siege Embedded all the way to Oklahoma to be put in jail before Thor is knocked down? You know, for, for people who are looking to uh, watch uh, what money they're spending, uh, Thor did you a great service. Who needs to buy the rest of Siege Embedded? Yeah, good point. No, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's actually a really good point. I mean, I, I don't – the timing is just not possible. How in the hell is this possible? I'm seeing a lot of that around particularly the scene where Thor is getting beaten and all the different titles that they're showing this in. Mm-hmm. The, the timing doesn't seem right in any of them. I mean, I had that issue here too, but I didn't read Siege Embedded, so it didn't – it didn't jump out at me as much as it probably did you guys, but it's still, it didn't seem like the timing just didn't seem right. It's all happening. If this is supposed to be happening so quickly, yeah. people are getting places they shouldn't have been. And yeah, it just you know, doesn't that brings seem up right. A good point. It's probably not real easy to tie all of these, all, all these creative minds together into a, a, you know, three hour long siege of Asgard. Mm-hmm. So it's probably, there are probably going to be these like continuity issues that we talked about in new Avengers and Thor. But don't you think that that would have been discussed in the meeting when they said, Hey, this is what we're going to do. And maybe we need another two months of lead time so that we can, you know, go through these a second time. Do a or maybe when, to clean or up maybe when Bendis is standing, looking in the mirror, talking to himself about how wonderful <laughs> it is, he could have said, Hey, I'm going to do this with Captain America. What do you think of that? Well, I think that's a great idea, but I'm going to do this over this other book. I think that's a great idea. The readers won't know the difference. It it frustrates me to know. Goblin mask. <laughs> well, you, know, you know, one of the things that, that uh, they'll do is, you know, this is the character I'm working on. You can't do anything with it. And apparently they've just kind of, you know, thrown that away. And, you know, in the same story, having that character, you know, written by sep- by different writers and having them in different places. And even with the same writer, in the case of Bendis, having the character in different places at the exact same time. Yeah, seeing I, the same event. I, I mean, like Bendis, but that one is just inexcusable. To it me. really it's is. It's not even a minor character. It's a major character. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, this, it is it distinctly two different scenes at the exact same time. And I mean, the, the, if you're, they want you to read all of these books and this is what I find so frustrating. They want you to buy all of these siege books because you know, you get to read the entire story, but anybody who has, has got a reasonable mind is going to go, how the hell did Volstagg get there? You know, in such a short amount of time, how did that happen where he is there before Thor gets knocked down? You know, I wonder if we're going to see Thor in Thor at all during siege. At this point, well, I think you're going to see him in Thor, because well, I actually will. Because remember, he he retreated back to Broxton and said that he wasn't going to hide. Yeah, we're going to see him in Siege. I'm yeah. wondering if we're going to see him in his own title. Oh no, I Siege. don't think you are. I think you're going to see. Uh, I think you're going to see the supporting cast. Uh, I like the Heimdall scene just to get on some more positive stuff, <laughs> where he was. You know, it, it kind of explained why he couldn't. I was glad that Asgard is because Loki was. You know. I like that they dealt yeah. with it, but I didn't like the scene itself. But I like that they dealt with it. And I got a big kick out of the fact that they actually dealt with why didn't he see it coming? Well, and in our interview with Kieran Gillen, you know, he said, yeah, that's explained. Because that was my big issue is how the hell did this happen without Heimdall knowing? Because, you know, that's his role. 
Oh, I was going to say, I think it le- led, leads credence to Wayne's thought about Sentry being the big bad guy with the scene with Heimdall. Yeah. Where he, say, where he sees he sees distinctly the Sentry coming. Yeah. Now, you know, the, the prophecy uh, that they address in Thor 607 is that the God of War dies. And I'm wondering if uh, the prophecy is that Ares dies or if Tyr, the Norse God of War, is going to die as well. I was, I was, I was thinking. I was thinking that that everyone in the book was thinking Tyr when it when it was prophesized, yeah. and, and the whole thing was that it was going to be Ares. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It would have been nice if if it had been the gods of war. <laughs> you know? As far as continuity is concerned, and you know, trying to fit in with the overall storyline, um, you know, some of the issues that we've had with some of the other titles, I didn't have with Dark Wolverine number eighty three. I did. Did you really? <laughs> All right. Here's my problem. In. Because my thoughts on, on Thor 607 is I was pretty pissed off at the end when you get this other Thor showing up talking about, like, I am Ragnarok or whatever. And I'm like, wait, no. Isn't and and Ragnarok is, is clone, Ragnarok? Is Ragnarok That's clone Thor? Thor. Oh, yeah, he's awesome. clone Thor. I'm actually really looking forward to seeing what they do with that because – if Thor does come back to his own book during Siege, I think we'll finally get to see him crush the clone Thor. I'm yeah. not looking forward to it because it, it discredits everything that I was about to read in Dark Wolverine. How so? Yeah. Because the whole point the whole point of, of the Dark Wolverine siege siege thing is that it Dakin's Ragnarok. Oh, well yeah, okay. And I think there's the the clone Thor, his name is Ragnarok. Um, and, you know, he's been around in Avengers The Initiative, so if you haven't been reading Avengers The Initiative, you know, he's been there. Um, where, you know, for those, you know, for folks who haven't read Dark Wolverine number 83, um, and we've been spoiling pretty much every book, so spoilers on still. Um, <laughs> it, it's the 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 fates uh, reveal to Dokken, or Dakin, or whatever, that he's going to initiate the Ragnarok that will bring the rebirth of Asgard back to the heavens instead of making it on Oklahoma, which obviously sets up for Fraction's Thor arc coming up. So Asgard is no longer going to be in Oklahoma. It's going to be back amongst the heavens. They show the Rainbow Bridge, um, and it's hinted that Dawkins is going to be the one responsible for that. Now, this was my first book of Dark Wolverine, and this is my first real exposure to this character. And I, I have to say, you guys are right. I, I like this character. In fact, it's a really sad week because I think in a week where Thor came out, I think I have to say Dark Wolverine was my book of the week. I just I enjoyed everything about it. I, thought, I hate that character. Oh, I, I don't know like everything other than Dark Wolverine. Uh, I, I can know, agree I, with I that. I thought it was a very cool. I thought it was a very cool mix of the Avengers and the Norse gods. Was was the fates telling Dokken that he was going to bring the end of the end of all? Granted, I'm not sure it's going to happen, but it was very cool. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't know if this is. I mean, I'm hoping that you know Doc that you know what they're setting up does happen. But yeah, I mean, they're saying Dokken is going to be the one responsible for you know Asgard basically Ragnarok and being reborn. Um, so I mean, it, it's it's a pretty cool, and I, I love the art, you know, and you know Wayne, I, I get you. Uh, I hate Dokken in literally everything other than this title. Uh, in this title, he's fantastic. This I, I really, it, this isn't my book of the week, but um, it's probably number two. I, I really dug this book. 
I dug the first part of the story. Dugged, that's a word. Um, <laughs> I dug the first part of the storyline. Um, and so far, it's probably my favorite Siege tie-in, uh, other than um, Avengers Initiative. I forgot so about that. So would you say that it's the bee's knees? I would say it is the bee's knees. <laughs> and, uh, Tim, I would definitely recommend uh, picking up uh, The Prince. Yeah. Pick the it Prince up, is fantastic. And it just got released on trade paperback this week. Is that, is that, is that a Wolverine trade paperback? or? Yeah, Dark, Dark Wolverine. Okay. Yeah. It's by the now, same team that did this issue. Now, how and did uh, how did Thunderbolts 141 stack up? Am I the only one? No, Jonathan read that. What do you think, Jonathan? I I have been enjoying uh, Thunderbolts, and you know, like the story was, it was easy to follow what they were doing. Unlike the other books, they have a sort of clear cut. This is what you're doing, uh, type thing going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, eh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, it's um, it's written by Jeff Parker, who we had an interview with this week or last week. If you're, by the time you listen to this on uh, Funny Books, and um, you know, he talks about Funny Book or Thunderbolts, and you know, I liked the issue. It wasn't great, um, but I don't think that's so much a fault of his writing, um, because I just don't like this team at all, at all. But I find the book interesting, and what I really like is the appearance by the Mighty Avengers. Um, you know, they seem like they're going to be the ones who take down the, this iteration of the Thunderbolts. Well, I, um, I, I loved, uh, I loved the last issue of Thunderbolts 140 mm-hmm. and the way it ended, I was, I couldn't wait for this issue. And I was like, oh, they're just going into siege. And while there was plenty of mention of the fact that, that, uh, you know, Hedsman got, you know, his head blown off by Scourge at, mm-hmm. at the end of the last issue. That was it. It was just like, well, Headsman's not joining us on this mission. <laughs> but I yeah. thought I thought it was going to pick up right f- right from there. But no, and and apparently, Scourge was able to find out. Oh, that was mind conditioning, and he he was like had no problem seeing seeing Osborne again. So I was like, oh well, you know. And and what the Thunderbolts are doing during siege is they're on a covert mission to steal the Thor of um the Thor. The um, spear of Odin. So, I mean, it's uh, you know, so that's how they tie into Siege so far. I, I don't know ultimately if it will have anything to do with the main storyline. Probably not, based on what I'm reading. Well, um, I, I thought but, the most important part of the book was the scenes with Ghost. Yeah, uh, this, unfortunately, the scenes with Ghost kind of give away what happens at the end of uh, Invincible Iron Man. Uh, yes, Stark Assembled storyline. Which it, I think comes out next week, so it, it's kind of funny. They should have just timed it a little differently, and we it wouldn't have been so obvious. But yeah, they, well, but it looks like they're they're definitely setting up Ghost where he's going to be on that next Thunderbolts team in the heroic age and stuff. And because we were wondering how does that work with the fact that he's trying to kill Tony Stark right now? Yeah, you know, I mean, he gets you know he gets into Asgard, finds out what what their mission is. And he's the one who tips off uh, the the mighty Avengers by contacting Amadeus Cho. I mean, overall, it's not a bad issue. I'm I'm definitely looking forward to uh, the new Thunderbolts team, and you know, kind of this one wrapping up. But you know, sticking with Jeff Parker, um, we have a Fall of the Hulk's update. Um, you know, and we said our first one was going to be our last one, but uh, we keep going. <laughs> 
um, just because these they, they, this title has been written much better than I expected. Um, I mean, all of the titles, uh, even the Jeff Loeb one, have been written much better than I expected. And uh, Fall of the Hulks reveals who the savage She-Hulk is. She is basically a mixture of Green Hulk's DNA and um, I forget her Thundra. name. Thundra. Thundra. Thundra's DNA um, to create the Savage She-Hulk. Um, but, you know, overall, I, I am enjoying the issue, uh, or this series. Uh, I think it's just a three-issue miniseries. But um, I, I really like Fall of the Hulk's Red Hulk uh, so far. Um, and one thing I, I do want to mention, um, you know, sticking with Jeff Parker and sticking with Hulk's, is uh, in our interview, he couldn't tell us what HOH stood for. Right. Um, you know, he said it's not House of Hulk. Well, apparently it's Hulked Out Heroes. Um, so that's that's a miniseries that starts up right before World War Hulks. Uh, and I guess at the end of Fall of the Hulks, the impression I get is that a lot of heroes end up becoming Hulked Out. Or I don't know how that's going to work. I guess we just have to take it as not in the, you know, not taking place at the same time as Siege. Um, yeah, I saw that preview and I rolled my eyes. That just doesn't <laughs> look good at all. <laughs> oh, kind of like the Deadpool core? <laughs> oh uh, my I, god you know deadpool core comes out in april yeah no uh i think the first well the pr- yeah i think um but they have a prelude to deadpool core that starts next week okay well i i just i i was really hoping that when i saw this solicitation for it for april that it was going to be a joke <laughs> i mean it'll be a joke but I was just hoping, like, no, we're not going to put out something like that. That's what I was thinking when I saw the Hulked Out Heroes preview. <laughs> they, they have to be playing some April Fool's jokes on us, but the sad thing is, I at this point, I don't think they are. I think these are no. real books that are coming out. But you know what? I actually do like Fall of the Hulks. Uh, I, I like Jeff Parker. I'm going to give Hulked Out Heroes a shot. I'm going to give World War Hulks a shot. Apparently, it's not even going to be a separate miniseries. It's just going to run... Uh, for three months in Hulk and Incredible Hulk, um, but I I I I am pleasantly surprised by the storyline. I had no idea I was going to like it, and I really am so far. So I, I'm going to stick with it. Anything with the Red Hulk, I think, is uh, is gold right now. I, I you know it, it, the Red Hulk brings me back to the days of internal monologue, and uh, his are always so good. <laughs> You know, one thing I have to say before we move on to our next title, since we're talking a little bit about Deadpool Core, uh, because on our outline, my book of the week is not on the outline because I figured it wasn't that important. Deadpool number 20 is my book of the week. So, uh, because we're going to get through all my book, all the books, and then I'm going to be like, oh, wait, I didn't have a book of the week this week. It was Deadpool number 20. With Hitman Monkey. <laughs> I feel like much much like last week, Paul, you picking Deadpool as the book of the week isn't a testament to how good that book is. It's a testament <laughs> to how bad everything else was. <laughs> <laughs> and and you know, there were a couple of good books this week, but overall this book was this week was fraught with disappointment. Which leads us to Flash Rebirth number six. Oh Lord. <laughs> you know, I, I stuck out all six all six issues of this book. And I thought there was there was one feature in the entire series that I liked, and that was the retooling of Barry Allen's origin in the book, as opposed to it just, hey, here's his new origin. 
they made it part of the story. And that is really the only thing I find redeeming in this entire thing. And I got to tell you, I think from beginning to end, Ethan Van Skyver's artwork on this on this series has sucked. Yeah, I like yeah. the first. I actually really like the first issue, and it's just been kind of downhill since then. Yeah, yeah. the first. And issue this wasn't is where great. they introduced that stupid Jesse Quick costume too, as in this series. So. <laughs> yeah, that's another point against it. You know, the first issue wasn't half bad, but all the signs that this series was going to suck came with issue two, and we all said it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and. We stuck with it based entirely on Jeff Johns, because let's be honest, Ethan Van Skyver's art has pretty much sucked throughout the entire series. Yeah. Um, you know, but this book, this series has just been a complete 180 in quality from the Blackest Night, the Flash series, which also had Barry Allen. Yeah. You know? Not to mention that the entire ending, the uh, entire what do they do, do with uh, Zoom? was already spoiled by Blackest Night Flash. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I I am getting really tired of the ends of miniseries or the ends of, you know, what is the final fate of this or that getting spoiled by other books. Well, and if they can't take the time to print this stuff in order, uh, it's yeah, just a point? personal frustration. Well, absolutely. And and what took so long on this book? I mean, why 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 did this come out after the reveal in Blackest Night? And my yeah. guess is it said delay for the artwork, artwork which, by the way, stinks. You it know, was better it, than last issues, though. I will give it that. The artwork in this issue was better than the artwork in issue five. And don't get me wrong, Ethan Van Skyver can draw. He's a very talented artist. He made a lot of choices in this book that I did not care for. All of the stuff that happens in the Speed Force um, is just a mess. I mean, it is just a mess. And mm-hmm. you know, really. There's not a whole lot of drawing that's going on there. I mean, you know, every there's one, two, three pages and and more uh, additional panels that occur inside the Speed Force. And you know, he's drawn a bunch of squiggly lines and a couple of figures. This shouldn't have taken very long to draw. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, and it's bad. And when I say bad, when you have somebody who's drawn the Flash, they need to be able to draw motion. They need to be able to draw somebody who's running. They need to give you a sense of speed. And I never have that in this entire book. And I feel like the colorist is trying to compensate for that, which is why some of these pages are just so ridiculous. And I have to tell you, I don't care for it. I don't care for it one yeah. little bit. Well, and one thing I want to say is despite as much as I dislike this series, and let's be honest, this series I dislike as much as if it was written by Grant Morrison. That's how much I hated Flash yeah. Rebirth, um, which is saying a lot because wow. I'm my favorite comic writer. Yeah. Um, I am really psyched for the Flash regular series um, because you've got Francis Manipal on art. Yeah. Um, you know, so the art we know is going to be better. You know, and I, I'm. It, it seems like the first storyline is going to focus on the Rogues mm-hmm. um, and kind of take place after uh, Blackest Night, the Flash. So I'm excited for that. You know, one of the things that did kind of amuse me at the end of the book is that the Rogues have a you know, what if Barry comes back contingency plan? You know, as if Wally. And uh, uh, Bart weren't bad enough. You know, <laughs> we have a Barry Allen contingency plan. Yeah. You know, in case of so- gla- in case of emergency, break glass. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, we were talking about posed panels. Yeah. You know, I don't think the brogues really sit around standing all in the same direction, holding their guns at ready. Yeah. 
you know, flaming and icing. You know, I think they pretty much sit around a table playing cards. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, but we we do see that seed all over the place. So it has been established that they they can at any point break into spontaneous posing, <laughs> flexing. I I yeah. think I think they can just as much as Captain America may or may not hang around in his outfit watching TV. <laughs> In two completely separate places at the same time. Yeah. I mean, they're just practicing their menacing, you know, stances. I mean, if you're going to be a rogue and you want to scare the heroes, you've got to get that shit down. You have to be able to, at a moment's notice, pose in a a menacing pose. Totally agree. (laughs) It's just trading. Yeah. You know what we didn't consider with Captain America? It's very possible that Captain America's costume is a symbiote. (laughs) carnage has been missing since new avengers number one and they keep saying he's going to come back maybe he's you know his costume changed in that split second between certainly possible and we don't know who else was around that couch he was sitting on when he that he wasn't sitting on when he saw the report on the tv the second time (laughs) that's right maybe the couch was a symbiote Ooh, yeah (laughs) <laughs> maybe maybe coming back from the dead, he has no short-term memory. So maybe he saw it on one TV, then he went and met with them, and then he saw it again. He's like, what? Now I'm really pissed. <laughs> <laughs> I was pissed before, but now I'm really pissed. Because you you know 24-hour news stations, they just yeah. kind of show you the same stories over well, and, and over again. Well, and he got again. to see it in slow-mo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's like Memento. There you go. Captain yeah. America. Mem- yeah. uh, and, and just to comment on Grant Morrison real quick. Uh, I don't know if I've told you guys this before, oh, but uh, <laughs> if there's one thing that, that DC Comics is doing extremely well, it's keeping Grant Morrison out of Marvel Comics. So, <laughs> <thank> you. <laughs> See, now I had my shot glass already because, you know, we have a, a Jonathan Landreth drinking game that any <laughs> anytime you say beak, we have to take a drink. <laughs> You know, it's kind of funny. I mentioned uh, before we were on the air that I'm getting ready to move. So I'm going through all of my comics, preparing a box of what's, you know, what I want to get rid of. And I have a half a box of stuff that's just Grant Morrison stuff that I never want to see again. <laughs> You're just going to use them to start fires from now on? <laughs> Wait, the, lower the, my cruelest, the cruelest thing you could do is when you move, just leave the comics. <laughs> <laughs> Because somebody will find them, and you don't want that. <laughs> it's See, like moving into a haunted house. Hey, Paul, house. can you can you, pa- can you pass me uh can you pass me the red ring there, buddy? I'm gonna need it in a second. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, those are the comics. I promise I'll give it back when you start talking about Spider-Man. <laughs> those uh, Grant Morrison comics are the ones that you give to those uh, dead kids that uh, Jonathan gives his books to. That's right. They won't mind being they won't mind getting ready to be dead anymore. That's after right. Those. No, not even I. Dude, I wouldn't give I wouldn't give Grant Morrison comics to blind kids. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can I can just imagine someone trying to read a Grant Morrison comic to a blind kid, and uh, I don't know what the hell's happening here. Well, you you would have to describe stuff. So you're like, all right, page one, you see a lot of sperm swimming, and they have Professor Xavier's faces on them. <laughs> <laughs> Now he's strangling uh, his twin in the womb. You know, and some of those books in that box do have beak in them. And yeah. now Magneto <laughs> gets high again. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we we have Tim on for his monthly visit. It's Tim's time of the month. Oh, God. It can only mean <laughs> <laughs> that we're going to talk about Titans this week. 
And he's going to tell us about another awesome Teen Titans title, right? Another ex- extreme. Oh, I got my. Yep. And how we should have been reading it all this all time. All along. All along. So, so come on, Tim. Regale us of the tales of the Teen Titans. Well, I got my red ring on now, and uh, no amount of slurm in the jar is going to take away my rage, unlike Guy Gardner. You know, I used to think that I was. I used to think that I was I was right and all of you were wrong, just like Norman Osborn. But I'm starting to think maybe I was the one that was wrong, and I'm having an Aries moment right now. Uh oh. So, um, I have two I have two major issues with with Teen Titans eighty. The first one is that um I I the reason I've stuck with it for so long is I've loved the art, and the art on this one is is two different people. Um, Joe Bennett, which is the usual artist, does some of the panels with static and Holocaust. And it looks like uh, Eduardo Pancia does the stuff with Teen Titans. And I just don't like I don't like Pancia's art. So that right there is a major strike against the book that I've already been told is, is by many people is not worth reading. But the main problem I have with this book is it could have been so much better. The, the whole storyline was um, Static broke into this factory to try to get some um, some serum to, to help the people in, in Dakota City with this virus. And it, the story starts off with Holocaust explaining to Static that he just broke an entering and he was defending himself and he's a legit businessman now. And the book, it spends three quarters of the book with Static really torn up about, well, you know, this guy used to beat the crap out of me when I was back in Dakota City. You know, maybe he's changed. I don't know. You know, all signs point towards, you know, him doing things for the city, like, you know, um, homeless shelters and stuff like that. And it could have been a really cool scene where Static might have had to choose between um, the Teen Titans who think they're trying to beat up this bad guy and this character holocaust who might actually be on the road to redemption and they, they, they crapped it all the way in the last three pages they're like no he's really a bad guy <laughs> and i was just like i'm i'm so annoyed this could have been such a good arc and they just crapped it away now i'm a big fan of the i'm my, mad <laughs> I'm, I'm a big fan of the milestone characters how do you feel like they're how, how well do you feel like they're integrating static into the teen titans team um not not too well. <laughs> it's like I said before, I they hadn't been paying too much attention to him because they were setting up the the, the death of Red Devil and so him kind of showing up in the teen days was just kind of an afterthought and this was going to be his moment to integrate with them, but he spent 3 books kind of by himself dealing with Holocaust and the Teen Titans looking for him. Uh-huh. They're like, "Oh, we have all these superpowers. We have we have, you know, we have Beast Boy, but we can't find, you know, our teammate." Like, don't they have a like quarter ring or something? Haven't they, <laughs> they ever heard of GPS? Oh, I'm just so annoyed. You know, I never actually liked the original Static books. I read them. Uh-huh. I read quite a few of them, and I just never got into them. But I love the character and what they did with him in Justice League. And I love the concept in the books. Mm-hmm. It's just I didn't care for the original stories about him too much. I did. I I, I liked the I, original Static books, and you know, I even kind of liked the uh, Static really shot. Think- you know, I'm really thinking that what they're setting up is they're setting up the return of Superboy and Kid Flash to this book. Mm-hmm. And then maybe I need to take a small vacation from Teen Titans. <laughs> Until the other guys come back. 
Okay. Well, I was just thinking that if I if I flip open 81 and I see that Joe Bennett hasn't done the whole thing, and I don't see any Kid Flash Superboy thing, yeah, that might be that might be the death knell for a couple of episodes. Oh, I'm sure they'll bring them back, and then they'll offset it by bringing in Damien as Robin. Yeah. Here's good, and now we'll outweigh it with the bad. <laughs> I will say. If Teen Titans were to get the same team who did Adventure Comics number seven, uh, Tony Bedard, I guess, was the writer, and I don't remember who did the art. But if they had that team doing Teen Titans, I would buy Teen Titans because mm-hmm. I really enjoyed Adventure Comics number seven. It reminded me of the Je- of a Jeff Johns Teen Titans book. If they put back together the team of Superboy, Wonder Girl, Kid Flash, and Robin, I would pick up the title again, provided the Robin wasn't Damian. No, but I mean, Red Robin would be perfect on that team, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, and I will probably pick it up when, uh, you know, Superboy returns and Kid Flash and whatnot, because I do enjoy those characters. I feel like there are several books in both Marvel and DC that are kind of biding their time until, you know, Blackest Night is over and until Siege is over, you know, and, you know, for them for them to return to what really the fans want. I mean, don't yeah. you kind of get that feeling? I mean, you know, Tim, you know, you feel like they're they're just kind of, you know, stalling. Yeah, I think they're waiting I, until I Bruce Wayne comes back before we'll see Team uh, Tim on uh, Teen Titans. I agree. I feel like we're being strung along because of multiple crossovers. Yeah, I mean, both companies are doing multiple. Beak. <laughs> 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 well, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give the red <laughs> ring back to Paul. Hey, everybody, take a drink. And I'm gonna go back and sit in my corner. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so uh, how about a good book? Let's talk about a good book. Let's cleanse our palates with something good. Uh, Fantastic Four 576. Yeah, I'm enjoying the Fantastic Four ever since uh, since I picked it up because of that preview of the big giant dead Galactus. Mm-hmm. What I'm noticing, though, is for now, we're dealing with a lot of setup issues. Yes. I think every issue is for the foreseeable future until they're ready for their big storyline is going to be a single one-issue Everything contained in one. Right. And it does feel like it's leading up to something. But I, to be honest, I kind of like that. I like picking up a book and not being mirrored down in all of the, you know, I'm in the middle of this huge storyline. Mm-hmm. I kind of miss the days of more of the one shots. But I'm also looking forward to seeing what this builds up to. Yeah, it's so rare, particularly in the Marvel Universe, not to be reading a decompressed story that goes on for issue after issue after issue. And don't get me wrong, I like that. I, I, I do enjoy the the in-depth story that we get to have and experience something like, you know, Civil War, uh, Secret Invasion, those kinds of things. Um, but it is awfully refreshing to, to have a done-in-one kind of story like the, the last several books of Fantastic Four have been and that they're they're kind of fun. I mean, I, I do enjoy, uh, you know, this trip here to the Antarctic and to Lake Vostok, you know, for and for those of you who don't know, Lake Vostok is actually real. I don't think there's Atlanteans down there, but uh, you <laughs> that, don't know. <laughs> but that lake. That's 13, right. We haven't been there. But that lake, thirteen thousand feet beneath the Arctic ice, is uh, uh, is actually a real thing. And I, I I thought this was a great book, and I loved. There are pages here where, you know, the, the Fantastic Four are underwater and they're, they're exploring and it's page after page of absolutely no dialogue. And the artist is having to tell you what's going on by actually drawing it. And I, I, I just pour it over these pages and it's so rare that I spend that much time looking at a single panel, you know? So and- 
My one complaint about this book is the Human Torch. <laughs> and his uh, boots, shorts, and vest. Yeah, I mean, seriously, <laughs> you're diving underwater. You're not going to be able to flame on underwater anyway, although you're looking a little flame on with, uh, with those shorts. But, I mean, seriously, diving without a dive suit. I I was surprised. I didn't realize that Johnny Storm was a gay hooker. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I was I was cracking up when uh, he stepped off the uh, the uh, the the out of the fantastic car. Yeah, his... walking through ice in shorts. I mean, but he's not. Nev- cold. <laughs> they've never once shown him to have a higher, you know, have a the body temperature to be able to do something like that. Yeah. without actually being, you know, having flamed on. Yeah, and then he's swimming around underwater without a uh, any kind of protective suit either. Right, and, and they even have his hand is flamed on in a few spots, providing light underwater. So yeah, that was my only issue with the title it was actually him and his underwater flamage. <laughs> I, Johnny, I Tor- or Johnny Torch's underwater flamage. That's awesome. <laughs> I, I had uh, I had no issue with that. Uh, I loved this book. Yeah, I did too. This this was easily be my my number two for the yeah, week. And, it, uh, this, and it's actually my book of the week. I I thoroughly uh, enjoyed this. If if I was writing Fantastic Four, it would look a lot like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's the Fantastic Four doing what they're supposed to be doing, exploring, absolutely seeing all yeah. these cool areas and meeting you know these new races of people. Uh, you know, not uh, sending the Hulk to space and all the other things that Reed Richards does, and then the fan- other members just kind of sit on the sidelines. I tell you what, Hickman is an idea factory. He has laid down so many story hooks for either himself or other writers to pick up. You know, uh, after he's done. I mean, that is, you know, we're talking about these done in ones. And he's just he's creating these fantastic new playgrounds and new uh, characters and conflicts. I'm just really excited about what's going on with this book. Now, I have a question. Yes, sir. Uh, How do you guys feel about uh, because I I think the last issue had this as well, the the wrap up page? I love it. Yeah, I do, too. It's the little executive summary at the end that tells you how everything happened at the end of it. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's stuff you don't need to see on panel. That's why I like it. Yeah. What did you think? Uh, did you like it, John? I, you know, I at first I didn't like it. I'm like, I'm like, oh, that's cheap. But then I'm seeing all the good it's doing for the book where yeah. you're having a, a full book of interesting stuff, and then they can just kind of throw in the wrap-up at the end and be done with it. Yeah. Now, I love yeah. the, the scene where, you know, the, uh, the fish guy is asking, you know, who speaks for humanity? And Reed's like, well, that's not how we work. You know, we can't do that, you know, because we all represent different. And Sue, Sue Storm's like, I will. Uh, I'll speak for you. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't get when she said, you know, she's, I will. And, you, and she turns to Reed and she says, and you know why it's got to be me. And, you know. Oh, I, I know it, why. It didn't dawn on me then, but after the last page, I was like, oh, that's why. And, you know, because of her relationship with Namor. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I like their I like their uh comment there that she tried to contact Namor and he hasn't replied. Yeah. Namor has yet to respond. I and I like her her last comment in the book, which is I am Susan Richards and I speak for all mankind. I, I just thought that was really cool. And I love the cover on this book. I mean I everything about this book I like. 
I, I, I didn't read Fantastic Four this week. And screw um, you, Paul. And screw <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, John, you know, you were talking about Jonathan Hickman, and you know, I'm listening to some of the points you're making about Fantastic Four, and a lot of them are the same things I love about Secret Warriors. Jonathan Hickman is an idea factory, and you will not find a book more intricate than Secret Warriors. There is so much going on in the pages of that book, and it is uh, right now. Uh, Paul, it's a, uh-oh. I'm going to have to argue with you about Secret Warriors. <laughs> Go ahead and finish your thought, but then know that, that you <laughs> You're officially put on notice. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> You're on notice, Paul. Um, but I like that, you know, just like with Fantastic Four, that it's building up to something, Secret Warriors has this build-up, and it is building up to something big. And, um, you know, uh, I, I, I like Jonathan Hickman, so I, I'm maybe I will start picking up Fantastic Four based on your recommendations. Jonathan? Okay. Secret Warriors. You know what the big difference... Because I, I read Secret Warriors this week. Uh, you know what the big difference between that book and Fantastic Four is? Different teams, Paul. different characters, different artists, <laughs> <laughs> different words. <laughs> Paul, who's the Fantastic Four? Reed Richards, Sue Storm, Johnny Storm. What's his face? Ben Grimm. Yeah, Ben Grimm. All right, who's the Secret Warriors? There's about a million of them. Yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> that's what that's the that's the only thing that that keeps Secret Warriors for me into turning to. Uh, an an A book in my eyes is that I can't follow the characters. Like there's so many characters and they bounce around from all these different places and all these different characters doing all these different things in a what a 22 page book. I can't uh, like I'm like I don't know who these people are. I identify more with the villains, like the leaders of Hydra and stuff, because I'm like, well, at least they're consistent. Like they're, I know who they are. <laughs> you know? See, but that's why you know, I, you know I like it because there's so much interplay. I mean, I, I don't. I think the things you don't like about it are the things I do like about it. I like that there's so much going on. I like that you get well, one of us so much wrong, story. And and I know who it is. <laughs> one of us must die. <laughs> Only one will walk out alive. I'm cool with that. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, I I've been enjoying Secret Warriors, but I just I can't identify with the characters. Like, I can't get behind them. Like, if I pick up Fantastic Four, I know I know the characters, and I know what I'm getting into. Secret Warriors is not wrong. the same. I think you're wrong. You're gonna. This. I'm gonna end you, Jonathan. Right, like, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying, like some Secret Warriors walk into a room and gunfire's opened and they're getting riddled with bullets. I could care less because I don't know who they are. <laughs> like, so, so, Paul, Jonathan, y'all sound quite divided on this issue. In fact, y'all sound rather adversarial. Would you describe each other? <laughs> would you describe oh, each other God. as your ultimate enemies? <laughs> Wait, <to> read, Sharon. <laughs> uh, which brings us to ultimate enemy number two. Okay, I, I think we need a new drinking game. Every time there's an awkward transition, <laughs> then we take a shot. Speaking like of that. words, an ultimate enemy. <laughs> <laughs> you know what book has characters? <laughs> ah, good times. Um. <laughs> uh, Wayne, you read Ultimate Enemy number two, and I know that you enjoyed Ultimate Enemy number one. Yep. What do you think? I am still enjoying this, although I do wish they would have just left Spider-Man out because 
as much as I like the character of Spider-Man, as much as I used to like Ultimate Spider-Man, I really dislike what they're doing with Ultimate Spider-Man. And just his very, even being in this issue, I think drags it down some because it brings in Aunt May and everyone else gathered around the house. I would have rather, I really liked the Spider-Woman they have over there. Mm-hmm. And I like what they're doing with the Ultimate Fantastic Four here as well. And the, so the only thing that pulls away from the book for me is some of the the Spider-Man stuff where they go back to back to Aunt May and all of that. But I am still so far on board with this miniseries. Same here. Uh, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I don't have the issues or concerns that you have with uh, Ultimate Spider-Man in this book. Uh, I've actually kind of enjoyed him. I, I like that. I like having the the distinction between, you know, the much younger Spider-Man and the older Spider-Man that we have over in the regular Marvel U. Um, I, I, I'm really grooving to this book. Still have no idea who the enemy is. Yeah, um, some sort of freaky looking alien in armor here. And, I, and, and I'm get, apparently knows everyone's secret identity and where they're at. Yeah. Um, and I'm guessing that we're going to get some kind of revelation on that in issue three. He does look like he's wearing some kind of uh, Green Lantern armor. <laughs> the, the alien guy. Was I was that? thinking it looks kind of like Lex Luthor's armor. Yeah, well, and I was going, is that Kilowog? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but... Uh, what I, I would love to see come out of this, though, is I want to see a Spider-Woman, at least a mini, mm-hmm. of this, the ultimate Spider-Woman. Because I am really liking the character... Every time they bring her into a book, I like her. I like her in the miniseries. I want to see, you know, something just dedicated to her. Yeah. That's not a backup. So, Wayne, not disappointed yet. Stay tuned for next month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, like I said, Ultimate Enemy number two is really good. And also the uh, the uh, Rafa Sandoval uh, pencils on this book are really fantastic. Uh, the scene where uh, the thing has kind of uh, been thrown out of the Baxter building. You know, and he's kind of, it's a full yeah. page and, you know, he's calling out for Sue. I, 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 these pages are just beautiful. Yeah. Really enjoying it. Really enjoying yep. it. I, I'm in for issue three as well. So since we were talking about a spider clone there. Oh, but I... before you do that, okay. <laughs> I, want to, I, I want to stick on the ultimates for just one second because I do see. Damn it, Aaron. Dad. That was a decent transition. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry, but I just, Aaron I want to. reaches for a bad segue and then shuts down. <laughs> like, no, I'll, I'll tell you when we go on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, coming up, I think next week is the new uh, Ultimates book, and I was kind of curious. Are you, are you going to be in for uh, the the new Ultimates number one next week? I will. <laughs> I'll probably be disappointed. I'll probably hate it, but I'll get it. Yeah, I'll, I'll have that shot ready for you, Wayne. And, <laughs> and I am I am strangely on the fence about it. I I, I want to. I'm I really like the Ultimate Thor character. Um. And and but I, I cannot abide Jeff Loeb, so you know. If I go out expecting it to be crap, maybe I won't be disappointed. <laughs> maybe, maybe. So anyway, now you may transition. <laughs> All right. Well, now that we're not talking about Spider-Man, Wayne <laughs> right. Spider-Man Clone Saga number six. <laughs> I would have to say this is uh, Clone Saga number six is going to be my book of the week, but part of that is just because the entire miniseries has been good, and this wraps up the miniseries. Uh, I have in, I enjoyed bits and pieces of the original Clone Saga. I really enjoyed Scarlet Spider, and he's been a main character throughout this entire series. They actually surprised me with this. They didn't go where I thought they were going to with the final issue and with their their big bad guy. And yeah, I I can't recommend this enough. Once it comes to trade paperback, for anyone that liked the Clone Saga, anyone that didn't you know didn't absolutely hate the Clone Saga. 
anyone that likes Ben Riley, anyone that likes Kane, anyone that just wants to see Peter married and have a child. I mean, all of that you get in this book. I don't want to see uh, Peter have a child nearly as much as I want to see Peter conceive a child. (laughs) (laughs) Spider-Man porn. That's what I'm looking for. MJ was a model. (laughs) Well, and you know, if you don't want to see any of that, (laughs) you can read Amazing Spider-Man. Because issue 622 came out this week, which fooled me. They fooled me. They they said, Amazing Spider-Man 622, written by Greg Wiseman, who, Greg Wiseman, um, he's a, typically uh, an animation writer. He wrote for the Spectacular Spider-Man cartoon series, which I loved. He wrote for Gargoyles, Disney's Gargoyles, which I loved. Um, you know, he I really like his animated work, so I was like, well, let me pick up Spider-Man since I like his Spider-Man cartoons. Well, the main feature is actually written by Fred Van Lente, um, but it has... Morbius, who's who's one of my favorite characters when written correctly, um, but this isn't one of those times uh, because this book is balls. This <laughs> book is garbage. You know, a book is going to suck when the first page is Spider-Man and Black Cat in bed, and Spider-Man's naked except for his mask. And <laughs> well, that's, dude, that's dude, that's normal. That's part of the Spider-Man Black Cat thing is that she right. she'll she won't do touch him if the mask is off. Yeah, yeah I know, she, but I don't like that. <laughs> yeah, well, neither does Peter. That's the point, dude. Yeah, I guess. But It's like you don't know anything, Paul. I know. I know. Yeah, but it's like you haven't been reading this title, Paul. <laughs> well, Which was a good decision. And then he goes undercover in a vampire nightclub, you know, wearing his leather pants, fishnet gloves, painted white skin. This book was just weird. This is just not what I'm used to reading in a Spider-Man book. Did and he dance down that, the street like he did in Spider-Man 3? No, he did not. But, you know, it was weird because, you know, they, the, I thought the gauntlet was supposed to redefine Spider-Man's characters. And I thought Morbius was an odd choice given his um, involvement in the Frankencastle storyline. But this didn't redefine his character at all. He didn't do anything, really. And, you know, not only that, the backup, which is actually written by Greg Wiseman. I didn't realize Flash Thompson lost his legs. Um, was all about Flash Thompson, you know, dealing with the five stages of grief, um, you know, about losing his legs. And it was terrible. Not only that, they used your, they used the wrong form of your, and it, it just bugged me. The, again, the editor's not doing their thing. Spider-Man, or Peter Parker says, you're twice the hero. But he puts Y-O, but they say Y-O-U-R, not Y-O-U apostrophe R-E. And that's just a little thing, but it bugged me. And so, damn it, why did I pick up Amazing Spider-Man? Because you're a chump? Because I am a chump. Because I have more bees <laughs> on the cover. I won't make that mistake again. Oh. I'm sorry, Paul. Yeah, I know. Well, all right, look, Paul, if there's anything I can say in Spider-Man's defense here, it's there's that <laughs> 11, 11 issues ago was Spider-Man 611, uh, the most horrible issue. Like, it was so bad that when we did our awards, we forgot to mention it for anything that was the worst because they could have gotten worse cover, worse story, worse everything. That was the, the Spider-Man Deadpool issue. Ah. So maybe maybe just Amazing Spider-Man, just every 11 issues it does something. No, I, I, I think it's just about every issue, honestly. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, you know, did, did any 
Because Spider-Man was on the cover and he was in Miss Marvel number 50. Did anybody pick that up this week? I did. I didn't read it, though. Uh, so, you know, I talked about picking it up because it was the last issue of the series and I liked it when it started. And really, for the last issue of a series, it's kind of lame. It's really not that great. I didn't. It, it didn't, like, hit any of the notes that I would expect in a final issue of a series. However... Um, the reason I want to bring it up is not because of the main feature, but the co-feature um, had the protector, which is Marvel Boy from Dark Avengers. We talked about Dark Avengers Annual. This is a continuation of his storyline, um, which, you know, I, I'm glad I picked up because I didn't realize it till I opened the book and started reading it. Um, I would have and, and I really I like his that. character. I'm sorry. Yeah, I would have picked it up if I would have known that because I enjoyed that. Yeah, I mean, it kind of makes me wonder, have I missed other stories with this character? You know, because he hasn't been announced. Um, you know, because I liked what I read in here. I thought it was interesting. And I like his character. So, uh, you know, if, if you're trying to follow along with his character, Miss Marvel number 50 has yeah, a co-feature. He- heaven forbid they actually put something on the cover to indicate that. Well, you know, they do it in the top left corner in the tiny little Marvel box. And it says, also featuring the protector. It's so tiny. You know, and the cover has all the superheroes that aren't in the book, and you know it has a dead Miss Marvel, which doesn't happen in the book either. Yeah, just uh, the front piece of the book isn't great, but I do like the co-feature. And okay, go dynamite. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, Paul, take that awkward transition number twenty-three. Go. <laughs> so, speaking of dead Miss Marvel, I read. X-Men Forever this week. <laughs> Did anyone else read that? Nope. Nope. So I'm the only one who got to partake in awesomeness on paper. No, it's, I, I took place in awesomeness on paper. It just you know, it didn't have anything to do with comic books. It had totally to do with the ream of paper on my bedroom. In my bedroom. Okay. Yeah, that, that oh. fell flat. Anyway, continue with your story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, X-Men Forever had let me down the last couple issues. Um, they did a storyline uh, with... Uh, it was like a two-issue arc with uh, Mystique, Rogue, and Nightcrawler. Uh, I didn't care for it. Um, so I was glad to see the book return to good with... Uh, with this current storyline that that focuses all on uh, Cyclops, and uh, you know that this book really, really takes you back, really exercises the nostalgia in your heart for the pre-Grant Morrison days. Uh, remember the days when you would look at a book and you you would see the cover and you're like, "Wow, that cover looks good," and then you would open up the book and you're like, "Wow, the art looks good inside too." <laughs> <laughs> Way back when, you mean? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it kind of looks like the cover. Whoa, awesome! You know, I mean. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, this this issue uh, is all about uh, you know Cyclops has been in Alaska uh, for a while. He he left the X Men. He's been hanging up in Alaska with uh, with his son Nathan and. Uh, and Corsair, and uh, there's there's a very awkward scene which I the the only down part of the book was just this weird scene where these 
they're him and uh, Cyclops and Nathan are at a uh, diner, and these truckers come in and they want to rape the waitress. I'm like, oh, that's weird. But once you get past that, <laughs> you get to, you get to the good stuff uh, where uh, you know the the big the big enemy in in these books so far for the last 18 issues has been all about uh, this group called the Consortium, and uh, they come and uh, they kidnap. Nathan. Uh, luckily, not before we see our first uh, our first uh, appearance of Havoc and Polaris, and I was happy to see them in their old uh, old costumes, looking pimp. And uh, the book was just really good. Like the the storyline was like one of those old X Men storylines where you know they go and they have to uh, rescue Nathan from from this group of soldiers and. They bust what them time up. Frame, what time frame is X-Men Forever in now? Because I thought it started after, like long after he already, Nathan was already in the future. I don't know. When did Nathan get sent to the future? I thought it was back before X-Men number one, even. Hmm. Oh, before I started reading. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you yeah. know, I don't know. You know, maybe it's like the Jubilee effect. Like Claremont's like, yeah, I'm doing exactly how I would have did it. Except Jubilee is just gone, and Shadowcat is just here. <laughs> no reason. I mean, you know, so hearing you talk about it has like, me even more pumped for the new X Factor book when it comes out. Because I love going, and I used to love that time period of Nathan as a baby, and really looking forward to that. And this would make yeah, me- and just the the interplay between between uh, Nathan and, and Cyclops is so great. Uh, not in this issue, but uh, a few issues ago, there was a scene where where uh, Cyclops is working on his motorcycle and Nathan's out there helping him. And, and uh, you know, Nathan asks him when he's going to leave. And he's like, I'm not leaving. I'm staying. He's like, no, you're going to leave. He's like, you always leave. He's like, the X-Men always drag you away. I hate the X-Men. <laughs> and, you know, just uh, really cool scenes like that. So, yeah, the, you know, a continuation of that sort of thing in this book. You know, and, hearing that makes me want to give the book another try. I absolutely hated the first storyline, hated the arc with a passion, had no redeeming qualities to me. But this sounds like something I would actually enjoy reading. Well, then I would I would suggest uh, picking up uh, issue 18 and and reading it for yourself. See, see if it's. Uh, if it strikes your fancy as much as it did mine, it's my book of the week. And uh, see if you want to continue from there. Yeah, but see, Jonathan, sure, when you it won't say let that, you down like the Ultimate Universe. <laughs> it doesn't necessarily mean that the book is good. It just means that the rest of the books this week were bad. <laughs> I, you know what? I there were a lot of books that I enjoyed this week. Same here. Yeah, I know. I, I enjoyed most of what I read this week, and enjoyed a number of books that we didn't even talk about. Yeah. Oh yeah, I enjoyed Secret Warriors despite uh, giving uh, Polly some crap about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, we talked about Siege earlier on, and you know, one of the things that we've kind of talked about from from time to time is that you know some folks have got to die in the Siege event, and we want to to emphasize gotta die. <laughs> there there are are certain people and characters in the in the Marvel universe who must die in Siege. Yeah, and and we're not talking die like they die, and then we have to read a, a very badly written six issue miniseries to get them back. <laughs> we want them to go away permanently. 
Want yeah, partic- particularly with what's supposed to come after this, the heroic age, there are certain characters whose death would just help that happen. <laughs> so who wants to go first? Who wants to throw out their first suggestion? I'll go first. And I know another one Jonathan Thinkham would suggest first, but I'm going to go with a different one. I think the hood needs to die. Yeah, the hood is on my list. What? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I think he has been such a big part of the dark reign and everything else that for the heroic age to kick off properly, I think he needs to die. All right. Now, (laughs) 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 Wayne, like, I mean, we, we spoke about this on the, on, on the episode, where's Aaron? I mean, you, in order to have heroes fighting villains, you do still need villains, dude. Yeah, but and I don't like him as a villain. What? We do need. We definitely do still need villains. I just don't think we need him. He, right? He's the best. He's the best villain in the Marvel universe right now. The number one best. And I don't disagree with you. I think that he is a fantastic villain. I just, I, I really want to see him disemboweled. Uh, I want to see him taken off the stage for a little bit. He's a magic character. He can he'll end up coming back if they kill him at some point. But yeah, but I think it would add it would definitely add something to this mini to this mini series to this crossover to have him not make it out on the other side. But he'll be different. He'll come back <laughs> and they'll they'll do something. They'll change up what he can do. He won't just be well. He'll be you know he'll be Teen Hood. <laughs> oh, <they're, laughs> oh. <laughs> you know I mean. It, Wayne, you're cruel, man. He's got a wife and kid. Maybe they take, can die too. Maybe they can die too. Are you gonna take his daddy away from him? <laughs> yes. Is that what you're gonna do? Yeah, gonna I've been a- I've been reading Walking Dead trades. I'm not worried about someone's parents being <laughs> killed in the book. <laughs> That's why I figured I'd start with that one, Jonathan, because I know that you know at least one other one on my list, and I thought that one would uh, would catch you off guard a little bit. It it did because. I mean, the hood was was best villain of two thousand nine. So, uh, Jonathan, you're next up. Who's your first? Uh, who's your first guy on your dead list? You know, it it was really tough to come up with this list because I do like a lot of the characters in Siege, uh, and even though I I suggested this whole little thing, confining it to Siege makes it very very tough. <laughs> can't I can't just be like Beak? Beak's gotta go. Uh, <laughs> take take a drink, everybody. Oh, that's two drinks. <laughs> so, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna start first uh, because it could have been really easy. So I made it even more difficult on myself by saying that I want the entire Thunderbolts team minus minus Ghost to die and never come back. <laughs> they are lame, and I I refrained from from going on this rant when it was brought up, but. I couldn't agree more. They are awful. You know, awful. if the if the entire Thunderbolts team as it is died and it was used to relaunch a basically a Thunderbolts title to go back to the glory days of these are villains trying to actually redeem themselves, but they're interesting characters we actually like, I would support that a hundred percent because Thunderbolts lost me a long time ago and I I picked up issues like one through a hundred of the original run. So I like Ghost, and I'm glad he's staying on the team. Mm-hmm. But the rest of them, I'm just like, I remember when I first picked up Thunderbolts, I'm like, who are these guys? 
And yeah. you know, like you know, here, here's the here's the thing. I lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> so Thunderbolts minus Ghost gotta die. Yeah, they 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 do. They do. They they gotta go. They gotta never come back. And if that happened. I would be winning the war against Grant Morrison at least a little bit because there is a Grant Morrison created character on the Thunderbolts. Who is that? Mr. X. Uh, oh, that guy can yeah. die. That guy can die. <laughs> <laughs> Do we just corral all the Grant Morrison created characters and, you know, line them no, up against the wall? I, no, because I want to do this segment again in the future. And <laughs> <laughs> so, Paul? You know... This sounds really bad because he just came back from the dead. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> but you can kill the hell out of some Steve Rogers. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we got Bucky Cap. I like Bucky Cap. Steve Rogers, now that he's back, he's just kind of a pain in the ass. And he, you know, not only that, he leads to the biggest continuity issue so far in 2010. You know, he's just. A stain on the Marvel Universe. Steve Rogers can die. The only downside is if they ever did kill him again, then we'd have to go through yet another Captain America reborn. <laughs> Captain America re-reborn. Yeah. <laughs> Not only is that guy on my list, that speech was on my list. <laughs> I, mean, I know it's totally not likely because he just came back, but damn, they totally could kill him off again, and I wouldn't bat an eye. So, Tim... There's an elephant in the room. Yeah. Uh, and his name is the Sentry. <laughs> Absolutely. The sen- yep. The Sentry has to freaking die. Son of a bitch, want, gotta go. <laughs> I w- not only does he have to die, Thor has to kill him. I want Thor to rip off his head, kick it, and I want to see a scene somewhere where they're playing a basketball game and his head gets stuck in the netting. See, now, I, 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 <laughs> I want that exact scene to happen, but right before he goes down, I want Taskmaster to come up and whack him with his sword. Just so that Taskmaster gets part of the credit for taking the century down. Yeah, you know, uh, I am enjoying Dark Superman Avengers. And I'm liking what, oh. say, I'm enjoying Dark Avengers. And I'm liking what they're doing with Sentry over there, which would mean that his death would just mean so much more. Yeah. As bad as much as I hate what they've done with the character and hate him as he is right now, to actually make me care a little bit before they kill him, I'd love that. Yeah. Yeah. I know. <laughs> well, go ahead Jonathan my teeth are out let's go uh, well uh, Aaron say what you gotta say well I was just gonna say you know I have absolutely hated the Sentry up until Siege and I, I have really enjoyed how they portrayed him I like him as a villain uh, but Bastard's gotta go gotta go Paul <laughs> wanna say yeah. anything in the defense of Sentry <laughs> I have nothing. I, I, Sentry was on my list, too. Okay. Yep, well, look, like, look. <laughs> you guys can't kill off all the interesting characters. We want oh, them we're to not. stay. We're not. We're, we're not. We're not. Exactly. <laughs> I haven't heard an interesting character yet. Uh, oh! <laughs> ouch! You know, <laughs> Sentry is a great character. Like, he... Sentry is is what Marvel's all about. Don't you understand? He's like no, Superman, he's... only he's better. 
So, Aaron, who's on your list? <laughs> well, no, Jonathan, Superman, but better was when they did Supreme Power. That was really good. And that was a good Superman, but better story. Century? No. You cannot, you cannot claim that a Deus Ex Machina character that actually has a thought in his head is better than the Deus Ex Machina character who doesn't. I agree. He's a better Superman. That said, dude's got to go. Yeah. <clears throat> and I, while I, I don't agree with, with your perspective that he's better than Superman, I, I do agree he's got to go. But on my list, and <clears throat> I, I know uh, Jonathan's going to have trouble with this as well, uh, Loki. Loki's got to go. I actually have no oh, problem. With that. No. And, and and you know my my thing is is that he has been very active lately, and uh, you know has orchestrated a lot of the drama that we're seeing now. And I, I think that that we need a breather from Loki, and the best way to have a breather from him is to tear him apart. Is you to, know I you might know. have argued that at one point if they wouldn't have gone back to the male Loki because I was enjoying what they were doing with the whole you know making him female. Yeah, but now that he's back to male, I kind of agree. And it's not that I don't like the character; it's just yeah. that he's he's played his part. And if he has, I mean, come I, back, he's a god. Well, and, and I think that is the exact is the exact uh, uh, reason is that he has played his part. I think we need to move him off the stage for a while, and you know, uh, allow other villains to to fill that role. I I, I think Loki has has been expertly used through Thor and, and up to now in Siege, and I'm just, I'm ready for him to go. I'm ready for him to go, and I think it's realistic. Okay. I mean, the, uh, the uh, I think the gods, you know, in Asgard, when all this is said and done, have got to look at Loki and say, you know what? He caused this problem in Latveria. He caused this problem here in Siege. He's been mucking us around since since we came back. I think it's time that, you know, Balder put a uh, a sword right up in him. Right up in him. Yeah, and I think Balder should be the one to do it. I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I guess I'm the only dissenting opinion on this. So nothing you've said doesn't make sense, but here's my problem. You know, when we were talking about Spider-Man the Gauntlet, and we said he had a great cadre of villains to talk about? Mm -hmm. You know who Thor has? Is Loki and the Absorbing Man. And the Absorbing Man is lame. No, no, he (laughs) he also has the Wrecking Crew. (laughs) There we go. Oh, boy. Thor actually has... Thor actually has a lot oh, yeah. of it. Uh, you know, he's got uh, uh, Hela. He's got uh, uh, you know the 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 different giants. I mean, there 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 is a wealth of of villains. Plus, I mean, there's there's all the you know he has cosmic adventures. So you know, I, I think there's a lot of opportunity there. Plus, hey, we got guys like Kieran Gillen and Matt Fraction right in Thor. Um, they're going to come up with really cool stuff. I'm just the story that I am I am tired of right now is Loki getting over on the Asgardian gods. And I'm just ready for that to be put to bed for a while. Yeah, and it shouldn't be Thor that does it. I agree. It's yeah. got to be Balder. But you know, Loki has manipulated Balder all the way through. And you know, it they they established in the Straczynski run that it is a crime for one god to kill another god. Right? Or is it was it uh, patricide was the crime? Patricide. Okay. So yeah, he's got he's got free reign. He can just go ahead and kill that son of a bitch. So you know, Paul, uh, Loki, dead guy, dead man walking, dead god walking. <laughs> <clears throat> we have called the hit on Loki. Do we want to do one more round? Yeah, what do you got, got Wayne? One. All right, I'm gonna go with Ragnarok. 
I am done with him, and I think it's about time that Thor, now that he's back, crushes the clone Thor once and for all. Mm-hmm. We've you seen know- him. We've seen him beat Iron Man up over him. You know, now this this thing that's tarnished his good name killed one of his friends in his name. It needs to be crushed by Thor with well, his hammer. What I I would agree that Ragnarok needs to go, but I'm gonna say he needs to go by the hands of Volstag. Yeah. <laughs> Not that he has anything to do with Volstag, but I think it'd be pretty cool. You don't think he's worthy of the real Thor crushing him? No, I, you're right. I think he's you know he's kind of a crap character. You know, then maybe some fat guy should just kill him. Well, and I would like to see. I, I would love to see the difference between you know. I would like them to, to illustrate that, you know, Clone Thor, yeah, he's a badass by mortal standards, but that there is a substantial difference between a god and the clone. Yeah, and that's why I want to see the real Thor take care of him, because I don't want it to be a big thing. I want it to almost be a panel. Yeah. Clone Thor shows, you know, maybe he finds out what's going on with Volstag, and Thor shows up and crushes his head with the hammer in a single hit or something. Yeah. Okay. Jonathan. Well, unfortunately, uh, Punisher and Ghost Rider haven't been involved in Siege. If they had, I could pick one of them. <laughs> uh, so, or Blade, I could have picked him too. But I'm gonna have to settle on uh, another group. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I'm just hoping that somewhere at, you know. Uh, Camp Hammer, the uh, just an an A bomb goes off, and so Rick they Jones, all... <laughs> 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 and so they'll they'll all just die. The entire initiative, all these crap characters. Most of them you are know? at Camp Hammer right now. Most of them are up on uh, up on the assault of siege, though. Yeah, they can all die too, including. <laughs> Including, and I also didn't mention this because I was waiting. Constrictor, Diamondback, just all of them. All these. Actually, Jonathan, I have one of those on my list. I really like the relationship between Constrictor and Diamondback. So I want Diamondback to, to die to see what they do with Constrictor after that. So actually, I have one of those on my list. I do have Diamondback on my list. But Constrictor's just crap, man. He looks like he came out of the pages of G.I. Joe. Oh, I love Constrictor. <laughs> I, I really do. I, I dig Constrictor. Yeah, and I'd I, like I, to I, see what they can do with his character if they kill off a love interest. Well, I and think yeah. really interesting. I think so, too. And Or even if, if uh, you know, he and Diamondback survive you know, all of this stuff, I'd be interested in seeing those two going on and doing something else. I, I, I'm really enjoying the dynamic between those two. You characters. know what I'd like to see? We talked about uh, the Thunderbolts, you know, how much we'd like to see them get killed. I'd like to see him on a new Thunderbolts team, mm-hmm. a team of real former villains trying to redeem themselves. Yeah. yeah. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, no, like it, yes, no. These are the characters that made me made me drop the initiative. You know, it it wasn't until I found out, oh, the Taskmaster and he's pimp, like. That like now I I read that book for the Taskmaster, and anytime I get to the other stuff with the other characters, I'm like, oh god, just get me back to the one interesting spec in this book. You know what I like? The fact that we've twisted every one of the people that Jonathan once killed into a. But if we did that, we could do this. 
<laughs> that makes it even worse for him. I know it just makes him just twists in agony over there. <laughs> so, Paul, you know, um, I wish Wolverine was part of Siege yeah. because I would like to kill Wolverine and leave Dokken around for a little bit. Oh, hell yes. Um, but since he's not, when we do Who Should Die in Second Coming, I'll talk about Wolverine. <laughs> you know, watch out, Logan. <laughs> yeah, I'm coming for you. Because um, I would, I would love to do Who Should Die based on X Men characters. Yeah, you know. Oh, I would I'm definitely say, love that. <laughs> everyone Bottle in Dark Avengers, other than Dokken. Everyone, Hawkeye, Moonstone. You know, Hawkeye, Bullseye, Moonstone, Miss Marvel, Venom, Scorpion, gone, gone. No, do, all right. Like I can agree with some of those, but Moonstone? No, Moonstone's got to stay. Moonstone's a really good character, dude. What? She, all she does is sleep with everybody. Exactly. Yeah, that is because she's poorly. That's right. She's, no, she's she's poorly written in that book. However, yeah, I need the Steeler for this Thunderbolts book we're putting together to take take their place of the one that Jonathan's killing. <laughs> it, no, it, she, like she's it. Like you, you guys never read the uh, the Miss Marvel storyline with her in it, and it was really, really good, man. Like you really get into her head, and you're just like, this is a very interesting character. All right, well, if you keep her around, then you got to kill Hawkeye and Venom real good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hate those characters. Can we give the symbiote them? back to Eddie Brock in the process? I'm okay with Eddie Brock being anti-Venom. Yeah, because he, then he can be my new Spider-Man. <laughs> we are creating our entire Marvel universe. Have you right noticed? here. There'll be no continuity issues, I assure you. <laughs> there has been more continuity in our discussions about our Marvel universe than there was between Siege number one and New Avengers number Because <laughs> we meet once a week. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tim, how about you? Well, this isn't something I take joy in, but there's got to be some casualties, right? Uh-oh. I, I think Sif has to die. I think I, – I've read I've read Thor for years and years and years. You know what Vikings do? They kill, they, they, they burn, and they hump. You know what <laughs> Thor hasn't done in 300 issues? Hump. <laughs> yeah. Okay? I have not seen Thor had a good, have a good love, love interest almost ever in these books. Yeah, and you know, I think the last, came... I think the last decent love interest he had was when he was uh oh gosh, what's her name? Uh, she she's the enchantress. That was his last good one. Yeah, that was okay. Yeah. But I mean, Jane Foster, lame. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. Sif, lame. Well, you know, and Sif would be I, good if they'd, wanted... if they'd actually viking it up, you know. If if she wasn't I... just such a half-ass kind of character. You know, I've always wanted to see Thor and Brunhilde hook up for a for a stretch, and yeah. that's never happened. Mm-hmm. And this would this would set that scene. Yeah, and or the, anybody else that was written well. The Thor Valkyrie the survivor matchup. from Oklahoma. <laughs> the <laughs> Thor Valkyrie hookup is, is happening over, I guess, in the Ultimate Universe, or did happen over in the Ultimate Universe. They're doing it. Viking well, style. I don't. I don't acknowledge it. Yeah, it's my continuity. I, I understand. I understand. But, but yeah, I mean, you know. You know, even like uh, some kind of story where there's a survivor from Oklahoma that Thor takes pity on, and it turns into something that is actually good writing. I, uh, I'd be, I'd be happy. But Zip, as she now. is now, yeah, 
Gotta go. Thor's Thor's got a real problem with. So Aaron, what do you, what do you got to say? Calls him Bill in bed. <laughs> I'm sorry. What was that, Jonathan? I said uh, Thor's got a big problem with Kelda though, because she always calls him Bill in bed. <laughs> yeah, it's all good as long as you worship Majolner. That's all I'm gonna say. That's right. She she <laughs> she screams she screams for Thor to fill fill her with bills. <laughs> <sighs> well, you know, uh, and. Jonathan kind of touched on it, but uh, my my last offering to the uh, funeral pyre is a uh, Night Thrasher. I oh, absolutely fuck. hate that guy. Completely yeah. agree. I hate that guy. And you know, he was that was one of the characters that that turned me off of New Warriors back in its original run. And it is the character that I really dislike in Avengers Initiative. And I I, I just I just want to see the character wiped off the map. I <laughs> just, you know, in fact, if we could go back in time and wipe him from history, you know, if we get reverse flash from the uh, DC universe to come over and kill his mother before he's ever conceived, that'd be great. Well, the sentry's <laughs> a walking red con. Can't he just walk up to him and make him never have existed? I, I like it. I like it. Yeah. Oh, you know who we didn't mention? Well, I kind of did. Penance. Like if we're going into the heroic age, it's time for him to go away. You know, I think penance should die heroically. I think he needs to die. Just get it out of the way. Freaking character's been nothing since ever. I mean, he was speedball. So it was a Ditko character, man. You back off, Paul. You know, it would be a nice way to tie up this whole thing. You start off Civil War with him. You go through all of these mini crossovers, and then you end with his death. Nice kind of wrap it all up. We push that behind us, and we move on to good stuff. (laughs) Well, he might die in Avengers Initiative. You know, I mean, they're kind of... Hinting that he's going to do something. Yeah, I think he's either going to die or he's going to uh, reject his his penanceness. <laughs> Penancity. <laughs> you're, you're saying you're saying he's been a cutter long enough. Exactly, exactly. I think that he is he is going to you know stop being emo guy and uh, be a hero and return to maybe not something like his speedball roots, but something more heroic, which I think would be more hopeful for the heroic age. Or he'll have some kind of you know, big heroic sacrifice and 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 die a pitiful, lonely death. Here's what That's here's right. what I didn't understand about penance. It, it like I I didn't find out about this character until I played uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance two. Uh huh. <laughs> because I didn't read Civil War or anything. You know, I read the New Avengers version of Civil War, but I didn't buy anything else. So uh, I was just like penance, like. Penance from uh, Generation X. Didn't Generation X have a penance? Yeah, but the you know, kind of costume kind of looked a little similar. But I think Penance was a chick. Hmm. Yeah, like weird. Yeah, no, you know, they they have the same names and they just recycled them. Even the Protector, which is Novar's new name, is an old Marvel character. Wow. Yeah. You know, I think the best way to put it to penance is Marvel Universe only has room for one goth cutter person. And <laughs> Nico over in Runaways does a better job of that than he does. Well, and Peter Parker's goth in this new issue of Spider-Man. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> what a, Yeah. Ugh, penance. I think, I think Beast is going to start hating himself. I think Cat Beast is finally catching up to him. He's just like, I hate me. <laughs> Everyone yeah, else hates is, me too. 
I this used is to be a very cool. emo episode of uh, Funny Books with. Uh, <laughs> you know, we talked about rage and anger, and we've talked about self mutilation about a dozen times. Yeah, yeah, emo. Yeah, we even talked about death and love. Maybe we'll swap out our uh, intro song for like Death Cab for Cutie or something. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, uh, the Maybe mash theme. Do some suicide is painless. Oh, nice. <laughs> Well, hey, guys, this was fun this week. It's always a good time to kill characters with y'all. It's not always a good time, but, you know, this was okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, My Tim, hands are filled with blood, and I'm so happy. <laughs> if only Marvel listens. They do. They do. We didn't mention that the editor should die a professional death in Siege either, but I guess we'll leave that for later. Oh, hell yes, dude. The editors have to be involved in Siege to die a professional death for it, and they haven't been involved yet at all. Oh, true enough. Well, we should just declare a fatwa on them and, uh, you know, call it done. (laughs) All right, guys. Well, good stuff this week. Of course. And uh, we'll. uh, Tim, we'll see you back for Teen Titans number 81. Maybe. <laughs> and the rest of you guys we'll see you next week. Bye y'all. Later. Yep. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Holly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. <laughs>